Welcome to the Past Life Awakening Institute podcast. I'm Mark Beale, a past life therapist and trainer. Each of our episodes shines a light on healers practicing spiritual therapies like hypnotherapy with regression to this life, past lives, between lives and spirit releasement therapy. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in these modalities with me, go to the Past Life Awakening Institute website for details. Welcome. Today we have Elizabeth Austin Bernard. She's a past life and between lives therapist. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. I can't believe it's here. This is great. Okay, so I'll just introduce you a little bit. So you're there in Virginia in the U.S., and you mm -hmm. also so you work in person with people and you also work online. So you've got a background in QHHT. So you're a practitioner on that. And you're also through the Past Life Awakening Institute, a certified hypnotherapist, past life therapist, between life therapist. And your background's pretty interesting. You're a retired colonel in the US Marines. You've got an MBA and a master's in public policy at Georgetown University. And you've, uh, due to your military and civil service, you assist veterans and active duty personnel and breaking through barriers to wellness and quality of life issues. And you've got some customized strategies to address sleep disorders, trauma, and stress issues. And you also with the general public as well. You can be found at Double Eagle Hypnotherapy and doubleeaglehypnotherapy.com. So that's your brand yes. of where people can find you. And yes, yeah, so I look forward to this podcast and finding out some of your background and some of the case studies uh, and how you work with people with some real life examples. So I'm curious. So there's quite a lot of background and a few different modalities that you use. So how do you go about bringing together uh, those modalities and the way that you practice? Well, to me, the whole thing, obviously with your introduction, you, you really address that I love to learn and I love um, connecting with people. And um, this process, this protocol that... Um, you've introduced me to with your version of clinical hypnotherapy. I have studied others and they're really good too, but this one, I have found the way um, you have organized the courses, the way you structure the uh, manuals, the way you've helped uh, me and the client um, look at their priority issues is absolutely fascinating and natural. I continue to have clients um, look at me afterwards after they're counted out and say, I, I, don't, I can't believe I remember these scenes I haven't thought about for decades or one that I love best is I wouldn't have been able to pick that scene out of a scrapbook. I mean, the, these scenes that um, we lead the clients to and allow their subconscious to use as examples of their issues are just magical. And it's just what the client needs to focus upon and just relax and allow the insights and the moral of the story to come. And when their subconscious is presenting it to them, then you can see the transformation and it's, it's awesome. I love being in it. But anyway, I do love clinical hypnotherapy, which as you know, and I'm just saying for anybody who's watching the podcast is about the present life issues. That seems to be so significant and can really help the client deal with things that have happened to them in their younger years. And as you know, the, the younger these things have happened, somehow when it's happened to those individuals from a person in authority, Unfortunately, the young client believes and tends to look for things that reinforce that limiting belief throughout their, their lifetime. So instead of realizing their true nature and their capabilities, they tend to look for things that reinforce something that is totally a misperception, like they can't spell or they can't talk. 
So I'm just delighted to see this and see the comfort and the healing that the individuals, when they are ready, I'm not forcing this therapy on them, but when they are ready, when they're saying, I'm, I've had enough, I need to be able to talk in front of people, or I need to feel comfortable about whatever, then they are ready to let their subconscious help them heal. And that, that transformation is so impressive and refreshing. And it's like you, you've given them, I as the hypnotherapist are merely giving them the guide. I'm like the GPS and the client's the driver. And when they're ready to go, it happens. Sometimes though, they only get a partial, maybe a 60, 70% solution. Sometimes they get it all. And so we have to go a little deeper and have more sessions, as you know, maybe it's a few more clinical hypnotherapy sessions, more than the three that you typically uh, suggest is, is perfect for uh, addressing the client's issues. Sometimes it may be that they are better served by having follow-on past life regressions, but it really depends on the client's uh, issues and their willingness to relax and allow their subconscious mind to address the issues. There's hypnotherapy, past life progression between lives. And I almost asked, how do you integrate those modalities? But mm -hmm. you know, the answer is from the past life awakening institute training point of view, they are pretty much integrated and are pretty much one, yes. which is you're regressing mm -hmm. to past causes. Now, let's not dictate that it must be in this life or a past life where we've got hypnotherapy and past life to be able to do whichever one comes right. up. And so you love to learn and you've got a, a background. So I'm sure there are people out there who've got a background in QHHT. Mm -hmm. So how have you found having that modality in place? And then I also teach past life regression. So how do you balance that as a QHHT person and make so that QHHT people can understand why it may be useful to bring in this other modality and how they can work side by side. So they certainly don't have to step on each other's toes. They can be separate and distinct. Then what extra, or what might be offered or what other benefit is there to have something additional like the Past Life Awakening Institute type training? I think they're both um, so complementary. When I typically, uh, when I get calls for QHHT sessions, I know exactly what they are expecting. Um, they typically watch the videos that Dolores Cannon produced or her company produced and or read her books. Um, and that's a four and a half hour marathon session, but it's very good. But it depends on what they are needing. The, the um, past life regression therapy that uh, Past Life Awakening Institute that you created, I think is so interesting. In fact, I frequently have clients who want both. Um, your, uh, the protocol that PLAI likes or tends to use is so interesting because many clients who come are kind of so excited, it's very difficult for them to just relax and allow their subconscious to take over. So with um, the past life regression therapy offered by PLAI, they have an initial session and they go into their earliest memories or some significant memories of this lifetime and they feel it. I've had clients say, I, I can't believe I, I remembered that when I was three years old because they had only remembered you know, they thought they could only remember to when they're in first grade and they're having these very detailed memories. All of that is extremely positive for them because as you know, hypnosis doesn't mean you've had a deep uh, past life experience. Hypnosis can mean that you've had a, a deep past life uh, understanding, but more typically, it's that you have very detailed memories of prior events in this life. 
And once you process that and understand the feelings that you had when you were in the playground or you're in the crib too, or you, you realize those feelings were very intense at that point, then you can uh, come back the following week and have an even deeper session because you've gotten, you understand the practitioner or you can zoom in and have it online. You understand the rapport, you have rapport with me, the hypnotherapist. You understand the induction process. You understand it's very familiar. And because of that familiarity and the success that you had in that first session, you are you allow yourself to drop in and go deeper. And so I'm, I'm amazed. Some clients will, as I said, like both because the QHHT, again, is very, is general, but it's impactful. The Past Life Awakening Institute is very interesting and very specific and very helpful. And the client goes through and processes so many emotions that they are amazed, not only with the events that their subconscious remembers from this time or perhaps from a, another lifetime, but it's the feelings and how they are applicable to the issue, the primary issue that they're presenting and what they need that what they feel they want to transform, it's empowering. It's not only empowering to them, it's empowering to me. I get to see them feel so much better. So we're talking about a three to five session process, the PLAI, Past Life Awakening Institute. Uh, the, the methodology that I teach is yeah. three to five sessions spaced out mm -hmm. once a week. Mm -hmm. And so that's quite yes. a, just, that's just a logistical contrast to QHHT, which is often one, one, mega, a one off mega session. And then the other thing is you talk about uh, being quite specific. And so one of the things I do emphasize is really defining our terms. Uh, and that's one thing that I notice uh, is that, you know, people will come with issues like presenting issue and they'll say things like weight loss. And, and mm -hmm. they'll, re they'll really mean that quite literally in terms of, you know, what I want from you is to help me lose 10 pounds. Whereas the reality of it and our approach is much more on the emotional, mental and spiritual or the emotional and mental weight that people are having and the spiritual resolution, which is like a non-dual transcending of going beyond good or bad. So it's rather than, you know, I feel bad being overweight, I'll feel good if I'm, un if I'm underweight, but it doesn't really tend to work like that. Well, that's a bit of a misperception. You have to go beyond that. There can be yo-yo dieting, but then there can be sort of yo-yo thinking that I get to that weight and I'm still not as not happy. And so we, yeah. then, and, and that's and our our mandate isn't really to be a personal trainer or a nutritionist. And I certainly you can do specifically weight loss type sessions as possible, but our emphasis is really on the emotional mental weight. So I know that that was something that you uh, we talked about just before. So uh, so you can tell us about you know the kind of issues that you work with and. Uh, and the way that you help people uh, refine and define their issues so that they're, they're getting something which is really going to be the answer that they need instead of the question that they think they need the answer to. Well, I worked for a variety of United States federal agencies throughout the, my career. In fact, the last 20 years, I spent uh, working for the Office of Inspector General in the intelligence community. And that job was amazing. I could, instead of looking for superficial um, data, I looked for root causes. When somebody comes and says they want to lose an extreme amount of weight, that is actually the symptom of a potential emotional problem, or uh, there's something else behind all of that weight gain. There's some root cause. In fact, I was shocked when I started looking up some of this data and I realized that for Americans, we've spent, they estimate $64 billion a year in weight loss products and procedures. That is huge. I mean, no pun intended, but it's fascinating that 
we, um, we Americans or humans expect that this pill or this gastric bypass procedure is going to permanently solve the problem when yes, they, they will do something to your system, but they haven't changed your subconscious mind. They haven't changed why the client is eating. They haven't changed the emotions, the feelings around um, having that ingestion or perhaps minimal movement. So it is really important to me that um, I have clients who understand um, weight gain, excessive weight gain really isn't the issue. It's the symptom of a far deeper problem. And if they are ready to allow themselves to um, get to that root cause with me during hypnosis, then I think they will find that they are much more comforted with what they need to address emotionally. Can you tell us a little bit how you grew up and is healing something you've been interested in from a young age or is it something you discovered later in life? So I was born in Washington, DC and I'm the oldest of five kids. I have always been interested in exploration in the West and, and doing all kinds of things outside. So fortunately for me, my father also had an interest in, in becoming uh, more off the grid. So when I was nine, he and mom, my mom moved us out to uh, the suburbs. We went to a 35 acre farm in Maryland and we tried to raise everything. We really tried hard to have two acres for a, a, a garden. We tried raising chickens. We tried raising calves. Um, it wasn't always a great experience, but we had a lot of adventures and learned a lot. The point is uh, we were very fortunate. Maybe it was because we moved out to the country. We didn't have a lot of money, but there was a lot of love. And my father, especially, um, was very interested in encouraging us to follow our dreams and uh, do anything we really wanted to. He did expect us to get good grades. So um, at some point in high school, I thought, who else can people trust? Of course, people can trust me. I'm not just going to help them. I'm going to lead them. And so I started running for a student office. Um, I went to college and studied chemistry. And you asked uh, about healing, my healing path. And I, I have one story comes to mind. I studied chemistry in college at a woman's college in uh, Massachusetts called Mount Holyoke. And I found that my chemistry teacher, in fact, the head of our chemistry department um, spoke at a local church. And I was so impressed with how he spoke about his faith that I accosted him the next day and I asked him about it. And I said, how can you be so strong in your faith? And he said, I work with electrons and subatomic particles every day. Faith is like chemistry. You do not see it, but you see the evidence of it all the time. I just thought, wow, I was kind of like, I know what he means. I understand. And I started thinking about all that I was learning when I was reading about um, the energy healers, about hypnotherapists. I was reading while at college about um, how to walk, how to achieve big things, but you do it one step at a time. And then you turn and you find these amazing adventures, amazing achievements are right near your path and you can do it. But the point is, I, I was so impressed that um, my professor had that kind of understanding of energy and of um, accomplishments that 
there's a lot, there are forces out there that we cannot see, but you see the evidence of it all the time. And the more aware you are of this, then the more they seem to happen. Okay, so that's touching on, and part of that question can be, you appear to have a pretty conventional background uh, in yes. terms of your education, science, mm -hmm. and people can often think that there's a conflict between science and spirituality. And it's, so that's a nice story because uh, that sort of, that uh, shows a reconciliation uh, from it, even uh, you know, with some of your mentors or uh, teachers back in the day. And how did that yeah. progress as you went and worked in the military? And, and, uh, and so how did your, did you gain transferable skills that has helped you as you've been a full-time healer now? Or how did things yeah. progress as you went into your, your career path outside of university? Well, that um, after after graduating from college, <clears throat> I went straight to the Marine Corps. My brother went to West Point, so I was trying to outdo him. You know, sometimes uh, you, you um, are surprised at what you what you get when you have these interesting um, paths. It was fantastic. Uh, being in the Marine Corps, I got to have physical challenges, not just intellectual ones. I got to lead people. I got to enjoy um, travel and having uh, a number of experiences. So I did, I was on active duty for about four and a half years and then became a stockbroker. And as soon as the market, um, as soon as I became a stockbroker, the market did some weird things. And so that I decided that wasn't a good path. So I became a civil servant and a reservist. And I had dual um, paths, dual careers as a reservist and as a um, civil service employee. But I'm telling you, I was so fortunate. I got to travel for both um, the civil service federal employment and for the military reserves. I got uh, tremendous um, experiences, talking with people, dealing with people, having great educations, but you're, you're talking about how the positions overlapped. I learned how to interview. I learned to be very observant. I learned to um, look at people and try to sense their body language their um, level of understanding, their curiosity, try to see. And I started honing that gut feeling, that intuition. And I realized that um, having had 20 years of work in the inspector general's office where you're doing a lot of interviewing and analysis, that really was interesting. It, it helped me understand people more and it fed into that. I mean, the more I learn, the more I see how things, how my path has really helped my understanding of people, of um, people's intent. And now that I do this full time, um, I feel that I am really using the skills that I gained in the government and uh, have learned along the way as I've read, you know, Michael Newton, uh, Milton Erickson, uh, Dolores Cannon, and studied from great professionals who do the hypnotherapy that, you know, and doing YouTubes. Now listening and watching people who are um, uh, having the experience of hypnotherapy, watching the practitioners pose questions. When do they do that? What kind of questions are they asking? They're helping the clients come to these um, epiphanies on their own. And when the subconscious helps the client do that with a low guiding from the practitioner, the impact is so much more impactful than just having a practitioner give uh, repeating over and over positive suggestions. It's so much more uh, impactful for the, the client to 
listen, to reflect, and to make the comments themselves. So you hope the client is not in a somnambulistic state because then their conscious mind is aware of the conclusions that they are getting during that therapy. Okay, so it sounds like there have been some influential teachers and, and, and books and readings, Milton Erickson, yes. Dolores Cannon, Michael Newton. Uh, so have they been, it, sound, it sounds like it was sort of a gradual awakening and, a, and, a, and yes. an ongoing learning process for you. So were there any key moments where you would say, I had you know, uh, nice days in nature as a youngster, but were there times when you started to take you know, the healing modalities more seriously and and, and get more on the path, and then leading up to your decision to, to become a full-time professional. So how did you sort of transition through that? Well, um, as I said, I was a daddy's girl, and or I, I um, was with my father when we commuted from the country back to the um, suburbs. And one of the ways that my mom figured out to keep him awake was to have him listen to tapes. So he listened to Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich. It was a great uh, long set. It was a huge book, like 700 pages, about um, how you can look at things and be positive. And the more I've studied, I, I had to listen to those tapes as we would drive back and forth because I was the one responsible for it. Um, keeping him awake. Uh, uh, so he'd listen to these tapes. So I was listening to these tapes. So the bottom line was when my father unexpectedly died, I um, was, you know, like most offspring, they're very surprised and upset. But I knew since I was a chemistry major that things didn't just disappear. I knew it transforms. So I started doing even more studying on my weekends and nights when I was with the government. The more, even more impactful um, event though was when my, one of my younger brothers was uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given two years to live. Um, all I was doing was massaging his feet and I, you know, I thought there's got to be something. So again, I started looking for residential and any kind of uh, modalities that I could use. Um, when he passed, I signed up for courses in hypnotherapy and really thought that um, I'd finally uh, I mean, there was so much resonance. I felt so much joy when I found that hypnotherapy can help with pain management. It can help um, people feel relief when they are diagnosed with medical symptoms or, or blockages. I'm not... Um, it's... I'm not saying that there is are cures. It depends on the subconscious. I am saying that they find there's some comfort, there's some relief, and they can feel some joy, much more so than without the hypnotherapy. So when I was on that path, I was truly surprised and impressed that I found this is a way I can help heal. And I became very committed to it and couldn't wait until I retired from the federal government and could do this full time. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, some particular examples of uh, people that you work with that can sort of illustrate your approach? So maybe starting with the presenting issues, some of their background, and then the choices about the modalities you took, the way that you helped refine the issues and, and work through it. Sure. Um, one of the clients I had um, uh, called and said that she had a medically unexplained hip pain. And she also had a problem with hoarding. So this person had traveled around the world supporting her husband who was in the military and she was a devoted wife and mother until his retirement. And that's when they divorced. 
So the client had tried acupuncture, dry needling, professional medical massage, pain management medications, and many rounds of physical therapy. So after talking with her, she filled out a, a PLI take-in form. And um, I realized that she really had very significant feelings of confusion, frustration, and unworthiness. So I went through the whole uh, three sessions with her. And I want to give you a little update on how she responded. The first session we call Positive Reconnect. The client said she was so happy she felt she could explode as she remembered the joy and bliss of feeling so connected to these happy memories, unquote. Now, 11 days later, she, I asked her about her progress and she reported that she felt a sense of, an increased sense of ease and connection. And she slept for longer periods and the hip pain had actually disappeared for a few days. At the end of that session, she said, I haven't thought about those memories in 30 years. I must have been putting all of that pain in my hip and I've been building a protective wall around myself with her things. I'm taking my power back. Now the third uh, session was seven days later and she reported initially that she felt much more rested and much improved in her hip pain and in fact, the pain in her neck, which she had not brought up before, but had thought was going to be with her forever, was gone. At the end of that session, the client said, I'm repeating myself, I wouldn't have recognized those events if you had shown me them in a scrapbook. And then she said, I've gotten more relief from our three sessions than I've gotten in years of therapy. I appreciate you. This person seemed so much lighter. And that's how she described herself. She felt clear. Remember her initial, her real um, issues were confusion, frustration, and pain. Now she's saying she feels clarity. She feels happiness. She feels joy. So you mentioned, uh, you know, those three sessions and, and uh, were there some key, and that was all going back to this life, was it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned some key scenes that can be like parables or illustrative stories that sum up and show the cause. Were there any particular uh, scenes from childhood or uh, earlier in her life that were that, that pointed to the actual root cause? Well, one scene she brought up was when she was five and she uh, was with her father, her mother, and her new stepfather. Her mother had remarried. And when her father got her uh, to the side, away from the mother and stepfather, the father got down on his haunches squatted down so he could see her eye to eye. And he said, uh, they were shopping. That's why they were in this department store. They were shopping for a suitcase for this five-year-old, her, the client, to use for the summer when she was gonna go stay with the mother and stepfather. It's interesting to say you're shopping for a five-year-old's birthday and it's a suitcase. It's just odd, but anyway, um, the father said to this client, eye to eye, don't you ever call anybody but me father? Never. And so I said, well, how did that make, how did you feel when he said that? And she said, what can a five-year-old say? This stepfather had been very nice to her and very kind, far kinder than his father had ever been to her. So that was confusing and frustrating for this five-year-old. 
And then another scene came up when she's 45, she's married and a mother, and the husband in the bedroom says, you're my punishment. You're my punishment from God. And then he goes to work. And she's dumbfounded, confused, frustrated. What can she say? This person is, you know, is, it's worse than depression. He's confused her so much. So those two scenes helped her understand how she did not feel worthy. She felt like she didn't have support. She was not, um, didn't have a strong sense of self. So we reframe those, or actually she reframed those scenes and had responses with the help of her wise adult. And uh, she ended up um, feeling so clear after having um, those reframed scenes that she felt release, empowerment, and joy that she had taken her power back. Great. And that's so much of the key, isn't it? It's so interesting that it's really just something that happened for 10 seconds. And just one yeah. sentence as a five-year-old yeah. and so part of it is how does your subconscious remember it on one hand uh, i hadn't th thought of it for 30 40 years but the other thing is how does it know that that's really relevant and it, and it is and it yeah. does and that that's yes. the magic of it and then it, and even how they can connect five years 45 years and oftentimes mm -hmm. you see that oftentimes things happen later in life and you think maybe that wouldn't be significant but it's compounding on the initial scenes as well. So those scenes are not only significant on their own, but they're interconnected and, and, and talk to each other. And they tell a story and a narrative that can often create limiting beliefs and residues of emotions that keep them down. And we can then apply therapeutic resolution. That means by discovering those pains and problems that actually becomes the key to the solution. Uh, and so was there anything else that you did uh, to, to, to guide her to a final therapeutic resolution? Well, she is so pleased with the progress that she's made that she's asked to come back to have a PLRT session. So I'm thinking that, um, you know, it's, it's ongoing. Okay. Okay, great. So do you have uh, another case study? Uh, yes, yeah. This is a um, uh, much younger person who's, uh, let me just make sure I get them all right. Um, the client is now a US citizen and healthcare professional. She arrived in the US when she was 14, but she wasn't speaking English at the time. And um, as far as other modalities she's tried, she's been in talk therapy for over 13 years and stated to me that despite all of her um, career accomplishments, she felt deep depression and anguish. So as we talked, again, it just seemed that there was so little self-love, self-respect and self-esteem despite her amazing, amazing accomplishments. So at the end of the first session of the hypnotherapy, she said she was delighted with the scenes that she had relived in that first session. She said she hadn't ever given herself enough time to relax. She was always pushing herself and just sit there and read and have some me time. So that was an interesting observation on her part. Now, seven days later, she said that she had taken, initiated some next steps to have some me time scheduled into her life and was allowing herself to breathe and relax deeply. The client released at the end of the second session, she released a majority of feelings from causative events that her subconscious had encouraged to, her to relive. 
But what, what kind of causative uh, events were they? So one of the scenes was when she arrived in uh, the States and was in a big city high school. And again, she didn't speak English. She goes to one of the security guards and says um, the room number, somehow communicates that. And he's very dismissive and he just points in the direction. But she felt like there was no support, no uh, kindness, no uh, sympathy for her circumstances. And so she studies, she studies really hard and she does well in high school. And she ends up with a boyfriend. The boyfriend is her first boyfriend. And unfortunately, there's a date rape. Her, um, she was so uh, confused and disappointed and pained by this um, that she was uh, beside herself and her, she wasn't able to talk about it with anybody. That was her decision. And she's that in her being for, you know, 20 years without disclosing that despite years and years of therapy. I just cannot imagine that um, living with that, uh, such a painful episode for so long and not having any uh, processing, not being able to process it with a, somebody who's a professional, but she was able to tell me about it. She had, we had rapport and this was online. Both of these cases were online. She was in her home. She was in a safe place. She didn't have to worry about driving, traffic, weather, COVID, and she didn't have to worry about any of that. She was safe and she trusted me. And she was able to say this and release it and process it. Now, I am saying that she could have gotten there perhaps because she has had so much uh, talk therapy for so long and was ready. It could be that we just had rapport, but she said, I haven't thought of this. Now, I thought of this negative scene with this um, boyfriend that she had had a long time ago. Maybe she had repressed it so much that she hadn't, but it was there and she was able to get it out. And because she was able to allow it to get out, she was able to move on and through forgiveness of herself, forgiveness of the boyfriend, the cord cutting that we did, the future progression, which she found she could see herself in weeks and months uh, doing what she loved in her career, having a new home, being happy. She saw those things as being reasonable and achievable and couldn't uh, express how thankful she was to finally have processed that which was so deep. Yeah, so there's a lot of light that you get to, but in order to get to that, we do uh, encourage them or provide a, a space where they can go into the heart of the darkness and, and to accompany them through it and to not avoid it, to not go for a, something superficial, but to go to some of the more challenging times and then to be able to process them. And because it's often that which is uh, creating depression, anxiety and blocking their light. And that's happening subconsciously for a long time. And people often don't think of or, or realize that some of these particular events are causative. And sometimes they can be sexually related traumas. Sometimes you, know, you mentioned one, somebody was a bit dismissive as I asked for assistance. And the other one was a sexual rape trauma. And in a sense, they can be of similar impact in a way, just in terms of... Uh, yes. And it, which is you know interesting and and the way that people process it as well people can think oh 
here's a trivial thing which doesn't seem like much but it's weighed on them heavily and here's something which is you know horrifically overwhelming how as a therapist could i possibly deal with it and you find they tend to process them in much the same way yeah. and, and that mm -hmm. we can go through it in a matter of fact way and that we as therapists don't need to be uncomfortable with it and we can take them through it and that is something that you know, that's a real issue un underlaying it and that's something that uh does help them get to uh, a greater degree of light because we were able to shine a light on that and and often the the, the darker that they allow themselves to go to through the rapport and the connection that, and that's also part of that's happening in a second session and you're beginning you're getting positive resources to start with so we're not just jumping in and looking for the pain and darkness straight away we uh, and we're getting positive resources and light first and even in that second session, we're not going in and try to heal things. I often hear stories of people, the first session, they go in to look for the darkness and then they try and heal it. And to me, you've missed out getting all the light at the beginning and you've jumped the gun trying to heal too early. You've got to find out all the details of the pain before you heal it, which I would do in a third session, certainly not halfway through a first session. And so, and that's the process you've applied as well, isn't it? Yes. Definitely. And, and the client seems so much more ready. You know, that first session is so positive, but it helps explain and, and depict the process. The second session where you're allowing the subconscious to focus on the issue, the priority issue, and then find one example um, that is an example that uh, could have been happening over many times, but this particular example, the subconscious selects tends to be pretty impactful. It's amazing when the subconscious is giving the client the examples that they need that are perfect for the client so they can process uh, the issue as much as they humanly can. I mean, it, it is extremely uh, surprising for the client that they that particular scene came to mind and they are somewhat dumbfounded, but that second sessions, uh, the, the example that that section, second session shows them I believe really allows them to process it even more fully in that third session, which where we are looking specifically at the key persons involved in their lifetimes, which may or may not have had something to do with, uh, with the second session's example. That is fascinating. And you know, that, uh, that was something I learned so much from your course structure that frequently when multiple examples are offered by the subconscious, you may not get the most impactful example first. The subconscious may be testing the client out or the practitioner to see how it's responded to. But the second or third example is so much I've found the second or third example are the most significant sometimes for the client. So you really do have to be very patient and allow the client subconscious to do the work. Yeah, sounds good. So are there any uh, therapeutic principles that you've observed from your cases that you've learned, maybe some, uh, some overall uh, principles that apply? the forgiveness of others seems to be really big. When, when, you, when the client has identified that they've been attacked or threatened or abused by someone, it's so difficult for them to conceive that that energy, that person would ask for forgiveness. But the way your course is remind us if that abuser's higher self could ask for forgiveness, what would it say? That is so impactful. 
Yeah, one of the principles I find with things like forgiveness that you're mentioning, uh, they can forgive themselves, forgive, forgive others, and that tends to come through a lot in hypnotherapy. But in things like past life regression, people could almost transcend the concept of forgiveness oh, yeah. because that's based on the idea that there's self and other, that we're separated and, and that you did bad things to me and I forgive you for the bad things that you did to me. But if you transcend the idea of good or bad or self or other, then that forgiveness becomes so automatic and so implied that they don't even have to go through formal forgiveness. And there's just a peace that passes understanding I think a small percentage of clients who really feel um, a huge release are satisfied with just the clinical hypnotherapy. I think the majority who feel that amazing release want to go on to see if they can even get more in the past life regression series, it just seems um, like they have crossed a, um, they have an understanding which passes understanding. And when they realize that they have gotten so much support and assistance from their subconscious that they can potentially understand and learn even more from the past life regression series. So I think it opens the door to helping them understand that their subconscious is uh, on their side. And one way that they can understand that even more is through some meditation. So I usually encourage them to um, practice that more. And then uh, we go on with the past life regression therapy and they're even more um, interested in feeling the deeper connection through a, another series of um, hypnosis therapy. Okay, so you've made the decision now to be a full-time therapist and you've learned some of the principles you see in your clients. What would you say that the things that you've learned you know, about yourself uh, through doing this kind of therapy work? You know, I love the Marine Corps. I couldn't imagine um, doing anything more challenging. And then I moved on to the intelligence community and I thought, this is all of these people are patriots. They're making an impact. They're helping um, our country. And then I, when I became exposed to the hypnotherapy, I realized this is the best job ever. I mean, you're making a difference in individuals' lives. You're helping them heal. You're helping them have comfort. They're helping them understand um, so much more about their own growth. And, you know, I just, I think it's the, it's not a job, it's life, a lifestyle. And, you know, when you spend all day, every day um, appreciating uh, that which you have and that which you help others to acknowledge and enjoy and like, you're cutting away the shaft. You're you're helping them truly um, enjoy their path. Then I think it it I can't imagine it, it can't get any better. Is there anything you tell people who are interested in doing healing work? Now I would I would say if you haven't get a session. When you get a session, you will see, does this resonate? When I started reading these books of these healers and watching your Udemy courses and, and YouTubes, it was like, this is really incredible work. I would really encourage anyone who's, at, who's considering the healer's path in hypnotherapy to get a session with one of your practitioners and 
see is this really again is it resonating with your inner being your subconscious if it does take a course see how the poetic metaphors are used throughout your courses see how you are not a um i'll say it in a positive way see how you can help the clients identify through their subconscious mind the direction that they can go you can help others heal and find comfort it's just a matter of putting yourself out there helping them identify that which is their priorities building the rapport with a client and then being their guide is there anything you'd say to QHHT people who are, that's their sole modality and core training? I think um, this is their next step. I think that all that they've learned and used in the QHHT is, is tremendous. It's a tremendous basis that they can use. But QHHT is like, um, a very general, um, beautiful process. Whereas the series of uh, sessions that you've suggested and you endorse is almost surgical. It's a beautiful way to focus on specific issues that allow the client to have very um, clear understanding, a deeper understanding of themselves. I think that's the best way to differ, differentiate between the two. One is very general and one is very specific. And so I think together they can really help the client um, go from a big picture to a very specific issue. That's a good, I think that makes sense. That's what I've done. Okay, great. And, and you mentioned they're quite complementary as well. And also, and, and there are like significant distinctions and differences. So there is a point of differentiation. And so there is something to be gained additional, new and different. Uh, and even within the training process itself. So the, the way that I train at the Past Life Awakening Institute is to that is the material and the process that we've talked about, three to five sessions at the beginning, middle and end, intake forms, really assessing, defining and refining the issues. But throughout that process, it's really just uh, you doing assignments with active clients and then having mentoring sessions with me. And sometimes those clients can be session spots with fellow students. So how did you find the actual training process uh, with me? Well, I just, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Again, your organization was so well done. It was, um, then you provided step-by-step -step instructions to enable us, the client and the hypnotherapist to identify the client's priority issues. And there was elegant simplicity in the instructions. And the fact that you were so available, you know, as soon as I finished the first or second assignment, um, then I would schedule a session with you, a mentoring session, and discuss the results or my write-ups of those clients, those three or four clients with you. So I could trust the process that I wasn't going to go one way when I should go another way. So I learned the best way to treat, to help guide the client. Um, and there was only benefit for the clients from the beginning. So that was another huge um, uh, benefit. You're right, there's a significant difference between the training of QHHT and PLAI. 
That's why QHHT is not hypnotherapy. They are practitioners, regression practitioners, whereas PLAI, um, your graduates are hypnotherapists. Course manuals and videos also were, the whole, um, the training curriculum was impre impressive. It's kind of like you're the graduate school and you do like students who are very detailed driven. That helps you look at it at a distance on those mentoring calls. You want that clients to benefit from the session too, regardless of the experience base of the therapist. So, right, that is a, another point of differentiation. Or one thing I really encourage is that all the mentoring that I do is with real clients. A lot of a lot of modalities teach, you know, just do 30, 40 demonstration or free sessions with people, and I don't encourage that. Partly because the, by the time people, as you say, mine's kind of more like a graduate school or a next step. So I would say at least half of my uh, students are already experienced QHHT graduates, experienced psychologists, experienced healers uh, in, in some degree or another. Uh, so uh, it's not too much of a stretch at all that as they're learning and being mentored and paying for the mentoring in the, in the, that I provide, they're getting paid by their clients that are actually also their assignments. And that's the mm -hmm. case significantly. And, and, uh, and certainly at the, the road to, well, when can I actually do this? You know, when I graduate, will I be able to be a therapist? I'm like, honey, you can do it during it. You've got enough of the background. You're getting the, this mentoring from me. And I don't want you doing it on, you know, your mother and your sister-in-law. I want you to work with people that you don't know that challenge and push you that are going to be representative of the real clients that you have in the real world. Yeah. And so that, that's another a key thing so that you're really implementing it you know, in real world conditions with a mentor assisting you. And so that helps you, you know, not put a, a, a misstep here and there. And, uh, and I find that's just so important that when you graduate, yeah. you, you come out fully fledged, right? And because a lot of people go through a lot of courses that come out the end, you know, oh, I'm, I've got a certificate, but I'm not sure if I can actually really do it. Whereas by the time they graduate my course, they've already been doing it. They've already done 30 real sessions and been paid for it a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. such, a, that's such a, a thing. So how did you find, uh, how did you find graduating? And so now you, you're saying, geez, I got, I'm pretty, I was asked before we met, how, how are you doing? I'm pretty busy, but tired. But, uh, but, you know, but, you know, that means, you know, you're, 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 you're uh, fully fledged and flying in your professional implementation mm -hmm. of it. It's not just about getting a certificate and then going and doing another training. Mm -hmm. No, it's beautiful. You know, it's funny. One client asked me if I was getting bored, if I was getting bored with it. And that's fascinating to me because here I am, I'm looking at the persons, each person, whether they're on uh, the distance online or whether they're in person, I'm looking at them. So I know it's like the main character of a good book. I know on the last page, they're still talking. It's, that's my, that's, so I know when I'm looking at the client online, they're gonna be okay because I'm staring at them. They're alive. They, and they are um, still coping. They're, I just want them to thrive. And so I don't feel like this can ever be boring uh, because each client is so unique and so interesting. That's great. And I think that's helpful because we've got a structure that we apply, but we don't, but we, the content is unique every time. So I do mm -hmm. hear from and I do hear from therapists, they apply the same technique. They hear the story and they sort of go, yeah, whatever. Just imagine changing the color of it. And they just sort of lead them through the same kind of cookie cutter or just the same approach. They end up saying the same things and they're not even particularly overly listening to their client. They're just running them through a technique or doing it to them, whereas we're eliciting it from them. Doing it to people, you can see that they've kind of checked out or not that into the therapies. But if you're bringing it out of them, then it is fascinating and interesting as a therapist. It's just fun, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for that reason and, and not boring, but that is fun and, and infinitely fascinating. And so I think that's one of the- uh, 
That's perfect. One of the clients said to me about two weeks ago, she said, how do you make it so unique? I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what you're saying. How do you make it so unique? And I said, well, if you listen, it's not hard. Yeah, your system is not cookie cutter, but you give us an outline and a framework and um, help the client and help a, a practitioner or the therapist elicit that which the client needs to process to get to the release, Beautiful. the transformation. Beautiful. So if people do want to be your client or interested in uh, and heard how you work with people and your approach and they resonate with you, if they want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Oh, doubleeaglehypnotherapy.com or my email, doubleeaglehypnotherapy at pm.me. Or they can call. I've had a lot of people call me at 202-670-2377. Beautiful. Whatever works. Okay, fantastic. So I highly recommend Elizabeth, a wonderful practitioner. It's a great privilege for the people that are able to find her and get to work with her. So great to see you again today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions, or certification training in the modalities of hypnotherapy, hypnosis, past life regression, between lives regression, or spirit releasement therapy, go to my Past Life Awakening Institute website for details. Thanks for watching this episode and see you next time.